Father, I thank you and praise you again for your word. We thank you for your love and your grace. And I thank you for every person who's here tonight, that nothing happens by chance in your kingdom. And Father, I just ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. And I pray that we all would be receptive to what your Holy Spirit wants to minister to each of our hearts, what you want us to take away from the message tonight, how you want it to transform our lives and make us more like you. So, Father, again, we're desperate for you. May you be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The theme of Leviticus, if it's one word, what would it be? Who knows? Blood's all over the book, but what would be another word? Holiness. Okay, I'm going to ask you next week. You A students better get it right next week, okay? The key word to Leviticus is holiness. The entire pursuit of Leviticus is all about seeking to be holy. And holy means to be right standing before Almighty God. Now he tells us to be ye holy for I am holy, but you and I all know that we're sinners in desperate need of a Savior. So Leviticus really is an Old Testament picture of the atoning work of Christ. Now those of you who have been coming, you saw in the first ten chapters, I'm going to fix my glasses here, in the first ten chapters, you saw really clearly the picture of the, sacrifice, the sacrificial system. And in each one of the sacrifices, you saw a very clear picture of Jesus Christ. From the atoning work of the blood itself, the perfect Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. In chapters 11 through 15, we go from looking at the sacrifices that point to the atoning work of Christ, to looking at clean and unclean. He pointed to clean and unclean food and clean and unclean animals. And the whole perspective was to get them to see that there were things that were clean and things that were unclean. Things that were acceptable to God and things that were unacceptable. And then we got to chapter 16 and 17, we saw the atoning work of Jesus Christ clearly pictured in the Day of Atonement. Now the Day of Atonement has another name today that the Jews use, what is it? Yom Kippur. And on the Day of Atonement, the right man had to go into the right place and it had to be at the right time. Only the high priest, only on Yom Kippur, on Day of Atonement, and only with the shed blood of a firstborn spotless lamb, and he had to go into the Holy of Holies. Now we saw the sons of Aaron went in, Abihu and Nadab, and remember what happened to them? What happened to them? They got smoked, and they got smoked because they went in together, and they went in on a different day, and they didn't go in with the blood that was needed to make sacrifice. And it's a picture of us, you guys, if we come before Almighty God, and we come on our own, and we don't come before the cross with the shed blood of the cross, in front of us. If we don't go with the shed blood of Jesus Christ having paid for our sins, when we stand before Almighty God, we're going to get the, the Nadab and Abihu treatment, right? We're going to have the same thing happen to us that happened to them. We must come before the Lord worthily, and we can only do that through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now, after the atoning work, we saw, again, that, that they went in with the blood. It had to be sprinkled seven times on the altar. The altar was a picture of the cross, seven being a number of what in the Bible? completion, and Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, and it was a picture of that work. Now when you get to chapters 18 and 19, the last two weeks, we've looked at the, that the atonement's been done, but now he's saying walk in holiness. Now that the sins have been paid for, now that you're a, a new creation in Christ, those of us in the room, once you're born again, then you just say, well, I got my get out of hell free card, and I'll just live like the world, and it doesn't matter what I do anymore. No. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. The Lord's desire is that the transforming work, the atoning work on the cross would change the way that we live. Now, some people have taken this to an extreme, and I want to make this really clear tonight. You're not saved by your good works, because you can't be good enough. Amen? But, as a new creation in Christ, and when the Spirit of the living God comes to live inside of you, then there's going to be fruit in your life. 
Because you are one of His kids now, and the Spirit of the living God lives inside of you, it's going to change the way you treat people, it's going to change the way you talk, it's going to change what your passions are. And that's what He talked about in Leviticus 18 and 19. He was talking very clearly to them and giving them instructions, guys, don't be like the world. You've just come out of Egypt, and you're about to go into Canaan. And in Egypt, there were a bunch of idol worshipers who were caught up in sexual depravity, and they were chasing after money, and they were a total disaster. And when you get to Canaan, you know what? You're going to find the very same thing. And he says to them, look, as you go into that land of promise, you need to remember that I am the Lord, and I am the standard, and I am the one you follow, not man. Don't do what the world does. The easiest thing for us to do is look around and see what everybody's doing and figure that's the standard and go with the flow. And as I've said many times, any dead fish can go with the flow, right? But the Lord desires that we go against the flow, that we be different than the world. And so in chapter 18, just real quickly, he talked about the prohibition against sexual immorality, something that's very out of control in the world today. He talked about incest, he talked about adultery, abortion, homosexuality, and bestiality. And we'll look at that again in the text tonight because he's going to give some more detail to chapter 18. Chapter 19, I titled the message last week, you can grab the tape, Walking in Holiness. And in that chapter, it's incredible how much stuff is in one chapter. Those of you who were here last week, is that true? Amen? It's incredible. He started off by talking about the fact that holiness begins at home. We talked about this last week, and I feel like it bears repeating, that, that we need to make sure that our homes are set apart to the Lord. If you want your kids to love God, then you need to be the Christ-like example beginning with them. And we set the standards for our children by what we make important in our house. If football is more important than church, then our kids are going to think that football is more important than church. If going on vacation, and again, go on vacation, God wants you to do that. But if we're vacationing every week, and we're up at our cabin every week, and we're out, oh, i got to get three jobs so I don't have time to go to church, we're letting our kids know that all these other things are more important than a relationship with God. We also saw him talking about not worshiping false idols. We'll see some more of that tonight. He said, those who are blessed with much should minister to the poor. He told us to deal honestly with others, to show no favoritism, not to gossip, to love your neighbor as yourself, to not be unequally yoked. And that was a real great passage because he talked about cattle and seed and linen and wool. And remember we talked about the seed. It was not to mix different kinds of seed. Seed in the Bible is a representation of what? Who remembers? The Word of God. And we are not to take God's Word and mix it with anything else. You don't take God's Word plus things of Confucius and mix them all up. Amen? He said, you don't mix the seed. The seed must be separated. This is the completed revelation right here. Amen? How many more books do we need? None. This is it. And so often people want to give, oh, here's the latest revelation. No, we don't need to add to this book. This is it. We don't need any more seed. We don't need, any, we don't need the Watchtower Society book coming out. We don't need any of that other garbage that comes from men because we have the living, breathing Word of God. Why would I want the words of men when I've got the Word of God? Amen? And don't mix the seed. And then he talked about adultery and fornication, which we'll talk about a little bit more tonight. And also, he talked about observation before ordination. He said, when you plant trees in this land of promise, make sure that you let them grow for three years before you touch them. Don't touch the fruit on the tree. Let it grow. And a lot of people come in in their walk with God, and then they're really excited about the Lord, and that's the way we all should be. But it's very temporary. You know what? I love what Peter John Corson said when he took over the church up in, in uh, Applegate. He said, you know, I, I love my dad's example for one, one main reason. Not because 
of his great Bible teaching, though that's blessed me, or not because of all the other things that he's gifted with, but what I really love is the fact that I've been watching my dad since the day I was born, and he's never wavered in his faith. And that, to me, is the ultimate sign is, is you know, the world goes up and down. As Christians, we should not be affected by our circumstances the way the world is. Amen? We should be so tuned into God that we don't go up and down. We're just right there. God's faithful. He's in control. He's just as in control when I get a raise at work as when I get laid off. Amen? And we need to learn to trust Him. And He talked about, let the trees grow, and then the fourth year, give all the fruit to, to the Lord, and then the fifth year, you can pick it. And that's what we try to do as we watch and see what God's doing and raising up people to do ministry in the body. We don't just watch someone for a week. We watch them for a year or two years and just watch and see how God's doing a work in their heart. And so he told them to walk in holiness. And so we're going to pick up tonight and now he's told them what to do. He's told them how to live. And now he's going to tell them that guess what, guys? If you don't live this way, that sin has consequences. How many of you know that sin has consequences? Amen? When you do something outside of God's will, there are consequences that go with it. And as we've seen in the last few weeks, that holiness brings happiness. Galatians 5.22 says, And the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. And when we're walking with the Lord, we're going we're to be happy. Hey, if you're struggling and you don't have any joy in your life, you're not, you're not hanging out with God enough. Amen? It, you know, you can have cancer. And if you're hanging out with Jesus... You're going to have joy. Amen? And you can just got to raise at work and be doing wonderful in the world's perspective. If you're not walking with the Lord, you're going to be miserable. There's no one more miserable than one that knows to do right and does not do it. When you're caught up in your sin, sin's fun for a season, but you know, when you wake up in the morning with that hangover and you realize you're away from the Lord, it's a disaster. And so he's going to tell them, he's encouraging them that holiness brings happiness. In Galatians it says, Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We talked about it on Sunday. The Holy Spirit being with you, in you, or upon you. If the Holy Spirit is upon you, as you see in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you basically can do what you want. You know why? Because you're going to want what God wants. Amen? Your heart and your desire and your passion is going to be for the things of God. So I titled the message tonight, The Wages of Sin is Death. And we're going to see God's just real direct word to these guys. He gave them all the instruction. He told them about the atoning work. Your sins have been paid for. Here's how you're supposed to live. But if you don't, here come the consequences. Let's begin in chapter 20, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Again you shall say to the children of Israel, Whoever of the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel, who gives any of his descendants to Molech, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land, land shall stone him with stones. Now, Molech, two weeks ago, we talked about this God. Molech was the God of prosperity and sexual indulgence. Sounds like the God of America. Amen? This was the God of all about how much money can you make and how much stuff can you have, and also the God of sexual indulgence. And so what they would do to honor this God, Molech, it was a five-foot-tall idol. It was the God of the Ammonites. The Canaanites had adopted it into their land. And when the Israelites would come walking in to, to Canaan, they were going to see this God everywhere. And it was an idol that had a hollow belly, and they would take and build a fire in its belly. And when they built the fire in his belly, this thing was made out of cast iron, and the entire god, this idol that they made out of hands, 
would be incandescent with red-hot fire. And then what was required for anybody who served this God is that they would begin to beat the drums on the days of the sacrifice and every firstborn baby of every family that wanted to be prosperous and wanted to enjoy a, a, you know, a great physical relationship had to bring that baby and as those arms were red hot and smoking and glowing in the dark, they had to take their baby and set it on the hands of this God and watch their baby get sizzled to death. Unbelievable. And the Lord says, anybody among you who goes into Canaan and offers their baby to the God Molech, then all the Israelites are to take you out and throw stones at you until you're dead. I'll be honest with you, sometimes I struggle you know, in my flesh with the, the consequences of sin. I don't struggle with this one. Somebody smokes their baby, I'm thinking, where's the rocks? Right? I myself, in my own flesh, have said, man, that's just wrong. And we look at the situation of the god Moloch, and you think, man, that is just totally out of control. I can't believe that anybody would do that. Somebody would allow their baby to be burned up just so they might be more prosperous in the days to come, just so they might have more pleasure in their physical relationships. They would burn their baby up. You know what? It's not far from what happens today. What would be the closest analogy to Molech worship? What would it be? Abortion. We abort 1.5 million, that's the latest study I saw, 1.5 million babies per year in this country. Why are most babies aborted? Prosperity and sexual indulgence. I, I can't keep this baby because if I keep this baby, then I can't keep on in my career and we won't be able to make as much money and we won't be able to go on as many vacations and it's just kind of an inconvenience right now. So let's just burn this baby at the idol Molech because that's exactly what happens in abortion. They put a saline solution into the mother's womb that literally burns the baby alive. That's what they do to induce labor and to kill that child. The other thing that happens is that Abortion has become a form of birth control to some people. They go out and get out of control. They were drunk one night. They find out they're pregnant. So guess who gets offered up at the idol of sexual indulgence? That poor little baby who did absolutely nothing wrong. And it says here in the text, what does God think about people sacrificing His children because they're all His? Amen? How does the Lord feel about it? He hates it. And He says, take them outside the city and stone them to death. Man, that's heavy. He told them about it. He warned them about it. They're about to walk into the city. And no doubt, the reason the Lord is warning them is because some of them are going to fall into the trap. Do you know that Solomon later in the Bible has a temple set up on his property to the god Molech? Unbelievable, right? But we see here that God is warning them. And He tells them to flee from it, from this god Molech, this five-foot-tall idol that people would be worshiping. You know what blows my mind? Can you imagine all these Israelites, were they not there when the Red Sea parted? Weren't they there when the manna fell down from the sky? Didn't they see Moses when he came down from the mountain and he was glowing in the dark for the Lord? Didn't they see all the plagues that came onto Egypt, including Passover? Didn't they see all the awesome things that God did? And then they're going and worshiping an idol made out of stone or made out of iron? How can this be? But then again, how can it be in our lives? Is Jesus Christ's death on the cross real? What's the answer? Has He risen from the dead? Yet, 
Many of us are serving the idols. We're chasing our career. We're putting other things before God. Well, yeah, He's a risen living Savior, but I'd rather go water skiing on Sunday. Yeah, He's a risen living Savior, but, you know, people around me don't know God, but you know what, I'm just too busy, and I, I, you know, I don't really have time to be talking to them. Yeah, my neighbors don't know God, but, and we're worshiping false idols, and we're too busy to be faithful to God, and we see how God feels about that. His heart is breaking. May we not fall into the same trap as these idol worshipers. And notice it says, whoever of the children of Israel, all of Israel's inhabitants were accountable to be obedient to God's command. And God hated the worship of Molech. Now, Molech worshipers, they taught that, that the babies sacrificed weren't really children. Where have we heard that before? What do they say about abortion? Nothing new under the sun. This is all from Satan. He's the one that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And the same thing that he did in Molech worship way back then, he's doing today. And people are buying the lie and killing children at the sacrifice of being prosperous or because of our own sexual indulgence. So we see here in verse 3, I will set my face against the man and will cut him off from his people because he has given some of his descendants to Molech to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. They will be cut off from his people, implies separation from the people even after death. He's saying, not only are you going to be stoned to death, but you're going to be cut off from my people in eternity because you have become an idol worshiper. The first commandment is what? Who knows? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And what's the second commandment? Thou shalt serve no graven image. Both commandments are being broken by every single one that went in and made these offerings to Molech. They said, God, you're not sufficient. I need this idol in my life. God, you're not enough. I need to go, and and you know what? And the Lord hates it, and it breaks his heart, and he warns them, and he prepares them, and reveals his glory, and they do it anyway. And the consequence is eternity separated from Almighty God. You know, people today do the same thing. I've talked to so many people, and I share my faith, and they'll say, well, you know, hey, you know, lighten up, bro. I mean, this is the year 2003, man. I mean, we're not in the 1950s anymore. You know, we've got free love now. We've got, you know, we've got free this. and we, we can go do whatever we want, however we want. Yeah, and you can come down with AIDS and you can die. And we, we come across with this thing like everything's different. I'm free to do whatever I want. And God's laws are no different than the, the, the physical laws that God's put in the universe. Gravity is gravity is gravity. And it was gravity 6,000 years ago and it's gravity today. Amen. And someone stands on top of a building and says, I'm free now. That gravity of 100 years ago, that's old school. I ain't believing in that noise. What happens if that person steps off the building? I'm free, I'm free. No, you're not anymore. And the reality is that that's what the world's trying to do. They say, oh, that Bible's old, it's archaic. It's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? And it's very easy for us to go with the flow and be like the world. And he said, you know what? If you do, you're going to be cut off from my people. Not just now will you, be, will you face the consequences of your sin, but you're going to be separated from me for all eternity. The result will be physical death and eternal spiritual separation. He says you defile my sanctuary because they go and worship idols during the week and then show up to the sanctuary on the Sabbath. Ouch. Ever done that? I have. Ever been out chasing the things of the world and everything's more important than God and then it's Sunday morning, so well, I'm going to go to church. And you walk into the door of church and the reality, and praise God, that's where you need to be. Amen? If you're struggling, that's exactly Don't ever not come to church because you're blowing it. If you're blowing it, get to church. Amen? 
But the reality is, sometimes you come in and you feel like, man, whoa, right? People are worshiping and you, you don't even feel like you can worship. Because you've been separated from God because of the sins you've chosen to do. But here's the good news. You can take a million steps away from God, but only one step back. He's right there. He loves you and desires that you be reunited with Him in, a, in perfect communion. When you and I, as profession Christians, do evil and are conformed to the ungodly practices of the world, we cause His name to be mocked and profaned. Look what it says, and profane my holy name. What do you think that the Molech worshippers thought when a Christ, you know, an Israelite, a follower of the true and living God, showed up and had their baby sacrificed to the, to the metal God? What did all the, the Molech worshippers think when they saw these children of Israel worshipping their God? What did they think? Oh, your God's weak. Where's your God? Oh, this God you talk about, how come you're down here offering it up to the idol right now? Oh, I guess our God really is God. How do the people feel at work when we talk about the Lord during the week and we go out and party with Him on the weekend or we start chasing the buck like everybody else and, or we get caught being dishonest at work or whatever we might do? The world looks at us and goes, oh, okay, this God you talk about, I guess He isn't sufficient after all. I guess you really do serve the same God that we do. And the Lord says, you profane my name, verse 4 and 5. And if the people of the land should in any way hide their eyes from the man who gives some of his descendants to Molech, and they do not kill him, then I will set my face against that man and against his family, and I will cut him off from his people and all who prostitute themselves with him to commit harlotry with Molech. Those who hide their eyes. He's saying, now, you're in the camp with Israel, and somebody in the camp takes their baby and goes out and has their baby burned to the god Molech. What he's saying here is, you're not to hide your eyes, but you're to go to those in leadership and say, I saw him offering to that false god. Now, this does not mean that we are all called to be the Holy Spirit police, and, and every time we see anybody making a mistake, we run and tell. Right? Matthew 18 tells us what? When we see somebody stumbling in sin, what are we to do? We're to go to them. Amen? In love, not judgmental. Dude, I saw you! Oh, yeah, I, th I thought you... No, not like that. We go to restore them to fellowship. Amen? Not to go nanner, 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 but to restore them to fellowship. To come and say, you know what, bro? Man, you know, it's heavy on my heart, but you know, I was driving by and I saw you with that woman and she's not your wife. And I, you know what? And you're being way too friendly with her. And bro, I just need to bring it to you and confront you with it. And you, bro, can I pray for you? Can I help you get restored in your relationship with the Lord? And what he's saying here is, when we see a brother or a sister caught in sin, that we in love are to go to them, that they might be restored to fellowship. But here, it was if you hide your eyes and you pretend like it didn't happen, then that person was going to face the same judgment as the one who offered sacrifice to the god Molech. Now, why would God care? Why would God bring such heavy judgment on the one who did not go and confront the one that was in sin or bring it to light? Why, why, what would you think your major concern would be? What do you think? Let me tell you. He didn't want it to become a part of the camp of Israel. If you do not confront sin, then sin will go unchecked, and before you know it, it'll just be a part of what's happening in Israel. The same is true in the church. If we don't check sin, if we don't in loving ways say, you know what? We love you guys. We're really glad you come to church here, but we know that you're living together and you're not married, and you need to be married. You really do. And we can help you any way we can. Hey, bro, you know, I, I know that you're, you're, uh, 
you're in trouble. We had, not, not too long ago, and I'm not going to name names, not too long ago, we had a guy and a girl coming to church here, and somebody came to me and said, that guy's married to somebody else. And they're hanging out with each other and hanging all over each other and acting like they're married. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Now, we called them in and said, you know what, bro? And you know what? They didn't come back to church. But here's the reality. The reality is that we're called to use, and again, always in love, never judgmental, never coming across holier than thou, because, you know, we got planks on our own eye when we're trying to pull the speck out of someone else's. But we are never to just let sin run amok and say it's okay, because sin is not okay. Amen? Always in love, always restoring a brother back to fellowship, not just being the, the police picking on us, but because we love each other. Hey, I want to encourage you, and I mean this with all sincerity. If you see me do something, that you think is stumbling somebody else, or you know to be sin, please come and talk to me. Please. I want to be accountable. How about you? Amen? Don't you want to be accountable? If people love you, they will come and say, bro, you know what? When you said that, you really stumbled a couple people. Really? Oh. I've had people tell me that. You know, when you said that, it came across. Really? I didn't know that. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. And you know what? I ask God to forgive me. And be restored back to a place where God can use you mightily. And he says, look, if you hide your eyes from it, you're going to face the same consequences. If you see the sin going on, hey, if, if I'm your pastor and I'm in an adulterous relationship, I hope someone comes up and shoots out my kneecap. You know what I mean? What are you doing, man? Not just go, well, he's a really good Bible teacher. Let's just turn our head and forget like it you know hey the words well oh, oh well whatever let's just look the other way that's not what god wants us to do sin needs to be dealt with amen because sin brings forth destruction and if you love me you'll know that i'm on a bus that's headed off a cliff and you'll do everything you can to stop me and he says if you hide your eyes from those who are caught up in it and you do not carry out god's judgment i will set my face against him and cut him off from his people don't turn a blind eye to sin god hates idol worship especially when our sacrifice our kids to do it. The only thing that should ever be worshipped is the Lord. Amen? Nothing else. Not your job, not your career, not your money, not your talents, nothing. Look at verse 6. And the person who turns to mediums and familiar spirits to prostitute himself with them, I will set my face against that person and cut him off from his people. Now notice twice in verse 5 and verse 6 he used the words prostitute himself. He's talking about spiritually. As Christians, we are a part of the bride of Christ. Amen? And as a part of His bride, if we go and seek other gods and seek counsel from the ungodly, what are we doing? We're committing spiritual adultery. Amen? And He says, you're prostituting yourself when you chase after any other god. Again, they've seen the Shekinah glory of God. They've seen the sea party. They've seen God do awesome things. And yet, they would go and chase after other gods. Now, right here, to make this really clear, mediums and familiar spirits. A medium would be like a psychic. Do you know you're not supposed to go see psychics? Amen? Not even at the carnival for fun. Because one of two things is true about a psychic. They're either liars or they're demon-possessed. And in either case, I'm thinking, not a good person to hang out with. Amen? Because if they're giving you accurate information, it's coming from Satan... And if they're not, they're just lying to you to steal your money. And I'm thinking, I don't want to be friends with either one of those people. So you don't go hang out with psychics. And it says here, when you go and you seek counsel, now why would you go to a psychic? Because you're trying to find what? Answers. Who's got the answers? Right here. So you're going to seek answers from the devil. I wonder what Satan thinks about my problem. Let me go ask him. 
Now, the Bible says that Satan seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. So if he gives you any direction, do you think it's going to be helpful? You know what, man? The psychic says, you know what? I'm, I'm looking right here to this crystal ball, and you should leave your wife. She's an old hag, and she nags you all the time, and that other woman will be way better for you. Right? That's the kind of advice you get from a psychic. Because it's from Satan. Right? Tool the enemy. He says, don't go anywhere near him. And familiar spirits, and that's the demonic. So psychics, tarot cards, fortune telling, astrology. Don't read your horoscope. What are you looking for in a horoscope? Well, the stars were aligned this way when I was born, so the magnetic, oh, stop it. What a bunch of noise that is. I read my horoscope. I can't go out of the house today. I read my horoscope. Can't go out. Stop. There's no fear for those in Christ Jesus. Amen? What a bunch of noise. And people follow that stuff. I know, I know a person who follows that. You know, it's the same person. Move the Kleenex box. You've got to have the feng shui. And what are this? Your stars. And, and looking for everything. we got God, the creator of the universe. Amen? He's my best friend. I don't need to go ask Satan what he thinks. And I don't need to go look at the stars or anything else. If I look at the stars, I ought to just go, whoa, God's awesome. Amen? Whoa, God's pretty awesome. Look at the stars. He just spoke and they're all there. Not going, oh, well, I, my moon is in Taurus or whatever. Oh, ooh, that means, okay, I'm going to have, oh, stop. I mean, it's just the world seeking after answers from the world. And when you go seek counsel from a fortune teller or from a palm reader, you're doing nothing less than talking to Satan or a liar. And in either case, it's no good. Don't call 1-900-PSYCHIC. Dion Warwick does not have the answers, okay? She doesn't even know the way to San Jose, so <laughs> how could she know? anything about your life. Turn to the creator of the universe. No one who is an agent for the one cast out of heaven can do you any good. And anybody who does will be cut off from his people. And that word cast out means put to death. So if you go hang out with the, and you're seeking after ungodly counsel, you're going to reap the consequences of it. Verses 7 and 8. Consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. And you shall keep my statutes and perform them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Now I love this. He says, consecrate yourself. What does consecrate mean? Very good. Set apart for holy use. When you consecrate something, you say, this is going to be used only for the Lord and nothing else. So they would consecrate the items that went into the holy place or the holy of holies. But don't you want to be consecrated? Don't you want to be set apart for use for God and nothing else? Amen? And he says, consecrate yourselves. Be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God. Who's the standard? It's not the world, it's the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and set yourselves apart to the Lord, not to the world. Can't have two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot be in love with the Lord and in love with the world. Too many people are trying to do the spiritual splits. One foot in the world and one fit with God. And you know what? That hurts, ultimately, right? And you're going to be in a lot of pain if you're trying to hang out with the Lord. And too many people are trying to, to live the life as by fire. You know, tiptoe as, as close to the, to the cliff as you can, but still be in the kingdom of God. And he says, consecrate yourself. Separate yourself to serve me completely. You know what? I promise you, if you do that, you'll never be disappointed. You ever met anybody on fire for God that's just bummed out that they are? Yeah, you know, I wish I was still out there sinning. It'd be great. Yeah, I wish, my, I wish my marriage was broken and my kids hated me. That would be so wonderful. You know what I mean? And the reality is that we think that the world has better answers. We think that if we chase after the world, I'm going to miss out. If I follow God, I'm going to miss out on something. Yeah, you're not going to be hungover anymore. Your wife will love you, have a great relationship with your kids. What a drag. 
You know, God will use you mightily. You'll have a significance on eternity. What a bummer that would be. I'm going to miss out on, you know, smoking wacky weed or whatever else you like to do, right? Gives me a headache. Don't do it. Seek after God. Be not drunk with wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? He said, consecrate yourself unto me. Set yourself apart to serve me only. Keep his statutes and perform them, which means to walk in obedience. He loves you. He knows what's best for you. He's not a no-fun, bummer God who just wants to keep you from having a good time. Amen? We think, oh man, if I become a Christian, I won't be able to do anything fun anymore. Right? The black robe with the wheelbarrow full of rules and the board in my hand and every three steps, smack! Right? Oh, I'm going to heaven. Boom! You know? And that's, oh, it's gonna, oh I'm going to be totally drunk, but I get heaven at the end. I'll tell you what, no one on this planet is happier than me. Nobody. Bill Gates wouldn't trade places with him. Greatest athletes in the world, Barry Bonds, wouldn't trade places with him. Why? Because my best friend created the universe. And God's allowing me to do things that are having an eternal significance, just like he wants to use you to do things that will matter in eternity. Do you think it will matter how many home runs Barry Bonds hits on Judgment Day? Oh, well, you hit 660. Well, come on in. I don't think so. Right? Hey, wow, you had a really good year in 2000. Look how much money you made. You hit all your numbers. And, oh, dude, come on in. That's not how it works. But we live like that's what matters. But when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. And he says, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Now this is confusing. He says, consecrate yourselves. And then he says, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Consecrate means set apart for holy use. Sanctify means set apart for holy use. He says, consecrate yourself. And then he says, I will sanctify you. What? Consecrate yourself. I will sanctify you. I'll do it for you. You need to do it. Which of those is true? Which is true? They both are. God will never force you to do anything. Without Him, I can't, and without me, He won't. He won't force me to do anything. He just wants me to be available, and He will do awesome and mighty things if I'll just come and say, Lord, here I am, use me. Lord, I I blow it all the time. Lord, I'm imperfect. You know my frailties. You know who I am. But Lord, I'm here. Do great things. Lord, I'm available. You know what? He'll do great things. Without him, I can't. Without me, he won't. He's a great and awesome God. Look at verse 9. The youth ought to be in here for this verse. For everyone who curses his father and mother shall surely be put to death. Whoa. That's pretty heavy. There'd be piles of rocks all over the United States. Every kid who doesn't show reverence for his parents. I was sharing this with my kids on the way to football practice tonight. I'm like, hey, one of the verses, let me read it to you guys. For everyone who curses his father or mother shall surely be put to death. Whoa, that's pretty heavy, huh, guys? Oh, yeah, what does that mean? Well, that means if we don't honor our mother and father and have reverence for them. Honoring means is talking about our actions, and reverence is talking about our attitude. And the way that, and I want to encourage you parents, you should be the ones to set the standard in your home, or those of you who are going to be parents one day, Your children will not reverence you out of, just on their own. They need to be taught. They need to be trained. Amen? God wants us to discipline. The Bible says the rod of correction will drive disobedience far from Him. Amen? We have the Board of Education at my house. It says it right on there, the Board of Education. And that's what we use it for. God gave them a nice big soft rear end. It's okay. They're going to survive. But the reality is that they need to be taught how to reverence. And I promise you this. If they don't reverence mom and dad, they're not going to reverence their teacher or the people down the street. Have you, ever no- have you noticed how out of-, out of control kids are today? You see the way kids talk to each other and you're like, whoa, where is that coming from? Let me tell you where it's coming from. Houses that are not in order. 
I've been on the Little League field, and I've seen kids talk to the coach to where I wanted to go out and spank them. Kids just go, I'm like, whoa, who, do you, who are they talking to? But it starts in your house, amen? And it says, you honor your mother and father. Anybody who curses their mother or father shall be put to death, and his blood shall be upon him. Man, that's heavy. And I want to encourage us, even as old, we need to honor and respect our parents even now, amen? Now, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So, my, my, praise God, my mom and dad will never do this, because, you know, my dad's one of the assistant pastors here. But if my parents called me up and told me to never go to church again, I'm going to disobey my parents, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. But I want to honor them and reverence them, because God is the one who placed them in authority over my life. There's a great lacking of discipline in the church today in our houses. What's the priority in your house? If we want to ask your kids, what's the most important thing to mom? What's the most important thing to dad? Would the answer be Jesus? Or would it be something else? What would it be? Just examine your own hearts. Now we're going to look at sexual immorality. Look at verse 10. The man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. So right next to all the piles of rocks of kids who curse their parents, we'd have the piles of rocks of all the adulterers. Now, I want to say this about adultery. It's the seventh commandment. And adultery pr- produces death here. But adultery produces, produces death all the time. Because you know what adultery does? It kills marriages. It kills mom and dad's relationship with their kids. How many of you know kids who are bitter at mom or dad because they committed adultery and now their parents are divorced and now the dad wonders why the son won't talk to him anymore? I had a guy I worked with in Southern California, and this guy was trying to figure out why his 18 and 19-year-old son wanted nothing to do with him, because he left his wife of 30 years to be with a cocktail waitress that he met. And he couldn't figure out why his 19-year-old son wanted to smack him. And he came over to my desk and he goes, yeah, man, I got smoked by the judge today. They're going to make me pay $5,000 a month in alimony. I'm like, dude, you're lucky I'm not the judge. You'd be living in a tent. She'd be getting it all. You'd be getting a buck a week, man. That'd be all you'd be getting. Don't come talking to me. You left your Christian wife of 30-something years for a cocktail waitress, and then you wonder why your 19-year-old son wants to drill you. I can't imagine. He's looking at mom, and he's looking at his family, and he's looking at destruction, and he's saying, what is dad thinking? And that's what happens. Adultery produces death. It destroys families. It destroys relationships with children. And I want to say this. Take heed lest you fall. Because every one of us can fall into that sin. Amen? The Bible says the one who doesn't think he can, take heed lest he fall. And let me tell you this about adultery. It always starts with compromise. You don't go from being in love with your wife and doing wonderful in your relationship to cheating on her the next day. It doesn't happen that way. It starts with compromise. It starts with, with well, the woman at work being flirtatious with you and, and, and then you and your wife are kind of fighting and then you kind of starting to look for and then you know your wife's in a robe taking care of the three kids at home and you go to work and the girl the lady's all dolled up telling you how wonderful you are and then before you know it she's asking you to take her to lunch and well that's pretty innocent and you go to lunch with her and then before you know it it just keeps progressing and eventually now you've committed adultery in your mind because you're starting to lust for her in your heart or lust for him in your heart and then before you know it the next step is pretty easy because you've already done it in your heart and then all of a sudden you're you wake up and realize what you've done and your marriage is in shatters take heed lest you fall guys don't ever go out to lunch with a woman alone amen Oh, Pastor David, come on, don't be so prude. Don't ever go out with a woman to lunch alone. Don't do it. And I worked in sales. 
There'd be people in my office. If 12 people went out to lunch, I would go. If two women in my office, I might be starving to death. Hey, we're going across the street to get a sandwich. You want to go? Who's going? You two? No, I'm not, no, I'm not going. If nothing else, it can cause, you can start having an intimate relationship and sharing your thoughts with somebody that you should only be sharing with your wife or with your husband. Amen? Take heed lest you fall. Adultery destroys relationships. It destroys marriages. Again, be careful what you do. By the way, guys, I'm going to be really blunt. The only, one you should, only woman you should ever see without her clothes on is your wife. Amen? So you know that internet thing you got at your house? Or some of these movies you go to? Or some of the other videos or stuff that you're watching? That's a seed for adultery. Because what happens is, it starts making you dissatisfied with your wife. It starts making you compare things. And before you know it, you're falling into to lust in your heart. And then, then you're starting to look... Game over. Pornography is an epidemic right now. And it's an epidemic in the church right now. And let me encourage you guys. Get a filter on the internet. Amen? Oh, it costs $8 more a month. Oh, let me think. How much is your marriage worth? Get a filter on the internet or get rid of your computer. Amen? And I'm only sharing this with you because I was in men's ministry for years and I saw guys who were worship leaders. I saw guys who were assistant pastors. I saw guys who were on fire for God, addicted to pornography on the internet. Take heed lest ye fall. Amen? Only person you should be looking at is your wife. If you're not married, guys, don't look at anybody until after your wedding day. Oh man, that's radical. Yeah, that's radical. That's what God wants. Amen? Time for some radical Christianity. Amen? Love time being lukewarm and mamby-pamby and living like the world. Oh, yeah, by the way, I'm a Christian. Let's start being sold out for Jesus Christ and not ashamed of Him and living different than the world. Amen? I mean, God's... I mean, I, I know I'm getting fired up, but I want to encourage you guys that if we want to see revival in Santa Cruz County, it's got to start with us first. Amen? If we're just living like the world, there's no way God can use us to transform the one around us. The man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. If a man lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have committed perversion. The blood shall be upon them. This is the law against incest. And the, the repercussions of incest was the death penalty. And it was rampant in Egypt, and it was rampant all over Canaan. Verse 13. If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. How well would that go over in Northern California? What does this say? Homosexuality is an abomination. It's a sin against God. It's perversion. And the consequences of it are death. That's what this says right here. But that's not politically correct, Pastor Dave. And, oh, the Bible doesn't say anything about homosexuality being wrong. Oh, really, what does that verse say? Is there any doubt what that verse says? Anybody questioning that that says what it says? And I'm going to read it to you again. I read it to you last time we were in chapter 18. I just want to make it really clear because it's so prevalent here in the city that we live in. Now, love the homosexual, hate homosexuality. Amen? We're to love the people. Amen? Can God save them? Yes. Does he have a burden for them? Yes. Are they his children? Absolutely. Is their lifestyle okay? Absolutely not. Is it acceptable? Absolutely not. It says this in Romans 1, verse 24 through 28. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forevermore. 
For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged its natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in lust one for another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. Let me just make it really clear, and I know this will not be politically correct, and I know when this goes on the radio that we'll probably have picketers outside. AIDS is a pestilence from God that is a punishment for sexual immorality, specifically homosexuality. That's a fact. If homosexuality stopped, what would happen to AIDS? If sexual immorality stopped, what would happen to AIDS? Do you, now, some people get it through a blood transfusion here and there, but for the vast majority of people getting the disease, how do they get it? From not honoring the one man, man with one woman for a lifetime. Am I worried about getting AIDS? Let me tell you the answer. No. You know why? Because I'm one man with one woman for a lifetime. And I'm not doing IV drugs, and I'm not in homosexuality or adultery or anything else. And you know what? It is pestilence. And the Bible says that in the end times, that there would be pestilence among, um, uh, across the land. And the pestilence would become because of the sinfulness of people. And homosexuality is wrong. It's sin. You know, our president today, God bless him, someone asked him today what he thought about homosexual marriage. Heard it on the radio on the way in today. And he said, well, let me just tell you. He said, first of all, I believe that we should love all people. And I want us all first to say that we're all sinners. Those words exactly. We are all sinners. And he said, some of us are trying to pick the speck out of someone else's eye when we got a beam in our own eye. But with that being said, it does not mean we should ever compromise the truth. And the truth is that God created one man for one woman for a lifetime. And we're going to do everything we can to keep marriage set apart to that alone. Man, I was just, praise God, in my car driving down the road. Because you know what? That's God's highest. Now, oh, oh man, you guys are bigots. And that's just this short of a hate crime, what I just said, right? Because I said that it's sin and it's wrong. But the reality is that we've made it acceptable. Do you know there are churches today that have homosexual pastors? How did that happen? Well, it's not so bad. And, it, and we got away from the Bible, and we got further and further away from the Word. And you know what? It's become this thing that was totally unacceptable 50 years ago, to now it's an alternative lifestyle. They even stole the rainbow. The rainbow is God's promise never to flood the earth again because of man's sinfulness. And now the most wicked and perverse thing, one of the most wicked and perverse things you can do, it's symbolized by the rainbow. Tell me Satan's not behind that. And the word gay doesn't work. Gay means happy. They're not happy. They're outside of God's will. And we've gone from this thing that was unacceptable to now you have gay parades and gay communities and gay cruise lines. They even have, the, I sold yellow pages for a year. They have pink pages. I'm not kidding. Pink pages for the homosexual community. I'm not kidding. That's it's true. And so what happens now is everybody says, celebrate what you are. God made you that way and celebrate it. And I shared this two weeks ago that when you meet a mass murderer who's got latent tendencies to kill people, you don't say, celebrate what you are. Just go out and do what's, what's natural to you. We all have natural tendencies towards sin. Amen? Whether it's lust or anger or bitterness or whatever it might be, we have tendencies towards sin, and we don't say, hey, that's my tendency. I just need to celebrate it. On the front page of the Sentinel three weeks ago when a law passed, it said in big letters, celebrate sodomy. 
That's not something I'm celebrating, right? But the world we live in is so far away from God that it's celebrating sin. Man, you know, it's time for us as Christians, they're coming out of the closet for a lie. We need to come out of the closet for the truth, amen? And the word's being abused. No one's happier than us. We need to share with people the love of God. And let me just say one last thing about homosexuality. They recruit, because that's the only way they can grow. And who do they recruit? Our children. You've got the Gay Youth Network here in Santa Cruz. You've got the Queer Youth in Santa Cruz. You've got Gay Pride Week on our high school campuses. You've got the Gay and Straight Alliance. Homosexuality is wrong. It's perversion. God hates it. He loves the people. He hates the sin. Just like He loves me, and He hates my sin. But we need to stand and say that it's wrong. Verse 14. If a man marries a woman and her mother, it is wickedness. They shall both be burned with fire. That's pretty heavy. Both he and they that that they may know may be no wickedness among them. So if a man marries a woman and her mother, so a man is in a bigamous relationship with a woman and her mom, what they literally would do is they would melt lead and they would tie them up and they would pour the melted lead down their throat. I'm thinking bigamy, not good, right? Now the Mormon church says that's God's plan that we have, you know, and now they're kind of backing away from it, but then it, quietly they say, well, no, not really, but you know, we need it because we've got to populate our planets when we become gods of our own planets one day. So Satan was thrown out of heaven for trying to be God, and bigamy got hot lead poured down your throat, and those are two of the main tenets of the Mormon church. I wonder why they're struggling. Okay, here's the reality. God's word has got to be the authority, and bigamy is not acceptable in God's eyes. One man, one woman for a lifetime. Amen? One man, one woman for a lifetime. It's amazing how many things we can, we can steer clear of if we just hold to that. Verse 15. If a man mates with an animal, hello, he shall surely be put to death. Yeah. And you shall kill the animal. Yeah, it probably wants to die. If a woman approaches any animal and mates with it, you shall kill the woman and the animal. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Isn't it interesting that right in the same paragraph here, you've got homosexuality, you've got incest, you've got bigamy, and you've got bestiality, and God hates them all. Why? One man, one woman, for a lifetime. These out-of-control perversions were all over Canaan. And they were all over Egypt. And he said, guys... You're not to be like them. I am the Lord. I am the example. Again, I, I think I've shared this many, many times, but I look at my, my 15-year-old daughter, and I get pressure from all kinds of people that I need to let my daughter, you know, go to dances. or go. I, no, she ain't doing any of that. Well, but, no, not doing it. But, no, I don't care. Well, everybody else, other pa- I don't care what other pastors do. I don't care what other people do. One woman for one man for a lifetime. I believe in courtship to marriage. Dating's nowhere in the Bible. God has one special person for you. Wait for that person. Amen? And when you're 15, you're not getting married, so you don't need to be going to any dances. And I'm not real popular at home sometimes, but that's okay. Because I realize how precious my little girl is. And when I walk her down the aisle, and I take her hand out of my hand, and I put it in that guy's hand, I'm be able to say that I've been watching over her till this very moment. And I pray for her husband. Every night, I pray for that guy wherever he is. He better be a pretty awesome guy. And I pray for him. And I just, I do. And I can't wait to meet him 15 years from now, okay? But we need to make a standard in our homes for holiness. Because this is what is happening in the world. Let me read through. We're almost done. If a, if a man takes his sister, his father's daughter, his mother's daughter, and sees her nakedness, and she sees his nakedness, it is a wicked thing. They shall be cut off. 
cut off in the sight of their people. That's put to death. He has uncovered his sister's nakedness. He shall bear his guilt. If a man lies with a woman during her sickness and, and uncovers her nakedness, he has exposed her flow and she has uncovered the flow of her blood. Both of them shall be cut off from their people. This is talking to, about during a woman's monthly cycle. It's not talking about a husband and wife where it happens in ignorance. It's talking about that control yourself, guys, when your wife's going through that monthly time. It's talking about uncontrolled lust. It's talking about be under control during that time. Verses 19 and 20. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister nor your father's sister, for they, that would uncover his near of kin. They shall bear their guilt. If a man lies with his uncle's wife, he has uncovered his uncle's nakedness. They shall bear their sin. They shall, they shall die childless. If a man takes his brother's wife, it's an unclean thing. He has uncovered his brother's nakedness. They shall be childless. All of this again about incest. Now understand this. Most of us would say incest is vile. That's not a problem for me. But I think that there's something going on, even in the church today, that we need to be careful about. We need to teach our children at a very young age to be modest about being naked. I don't walk around in front of my kids without any clothes on. Neither does my wife. And I don't want my children even doing that. They need to learn modesty at a young age. Not that it's going to cause any kind of problem, but they need to learn at a very young age to be modest. They need to learn at a very young age to protect that because that is something special that is only for when they are married. And so in the home, I believe that 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 breeds looseness in a family. And we need to be careful not to fall into that trap. Teach your children to be modest. And again, praise God that that he gives us this example. And and I pray that as, as dads especially, in your home, Purify your home from things that cause sexual immorality in your relationship. Don't, you know, you should not have HBO. It's Pastor Dave's opinion. I think this is God's opinion. HBO, what good, what's good on there? Maybe a few things, but what's bad on there? A lot of stuff. Are they taking God's name on, vein on that channel? Showing any women without clothes on? Showing adultery? Yeah. What else? Got? Oh, a bunch of garbage, right? And why would we... Put, you know, put that on and bring that into our house because then our children see it and they think that that's okay because mom and dad are doing it. And by the way, don't go to a movie. You couldn't go to a mo- that movie with your eight-year-old kid sitting on your lap. If you couldn't take your child to see it, don't go see it. Why? Set a standard. Be holy for I am holy. Put God first. Verse 22, You shall therefore keep all my statutes, all my judgments, and perform them, that the land where I am bringing you may not vomit you out. What happens when you just disregard God's law and just go for it and you just become a perverse and wicked nation? The Lord or the land itself will vomit you out. May we never allow physical comfort and blessings to keep us from spiritual brokenness. May we walk in obedience that we might remain in the land of promise. Look 23 and 24. You shall not walk in the statutes of the nation which I am casting out before you, for they commit all these things. So in Canaan, everything he just said was happening there. Incest, bestiality, homosexuality, all that stuff was going on in a rampant way. But I, but I have said to you, shall inherit your land. I will give it to you to possess a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God who has separated you from the peoples. Do not become like the Canaanites. They're guilty of every kind of sin. Lands that become sexually perverse reap God's judgment. Why did Sodom and Gomorrah get smoked? Why? Because of sexual sin. Not because they didn't, weren't hospitable, as some people would say. They were smoked because of sin. 
Why did the Greek, the Roman, the Egyptian, the Canaanite, and the Assyrian empires all fall? They all fell because of rampant sexual perversion. Homosexuality was rampant in all one, every one of these nations, and they all fell. All these great giants. What about America? If it continues and the Lord tarries, we'll fall. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's only for the sake of his people that he keeps this place from being wiped out. The Northridge earthquake, I told you guys this before, that the pornography capital of the United States, within five miles of the epicenter of the Northridge earthquake, over 90% of the pornography in the United States was made. Do you think that happened by chance? Huge earthquake. Leveled buildings. God's warning. Abortion, homosexuality, pornography out of control in our nation. Verse 25. You shall therefore distinguish between clean and unclean animals, between birds Unclean birds and clean. You shall not make yourselves abominable by the beast or the bird or by any kind of living thing that creeps on the ground, which I have separated from you as unclean. He's saying, guys, be careful in how you live, but also don't fall for the world's appetites. He's saying, you're going to get there and they're going to be eating stuff that I've told you is unclean. Don't eat it. You follow and have an appetite for me. You don't allow the appetites of the world to change your appetite. What's the world hungry for? It's hungry for money, for power, for popularity, for fleshly pleasures. And if we watch TV long enough, we'll think that the only way we can be happy is to be driving that car. The only way we can have joy is if we got the big house. The only way we can have this is if, you know, we've got a six-pack of abs, right? I mean, we've got to have these things or we won't be happy. And so we can hunger for the things that the world feeds on or we can hunger for the Lord. And remember when we talked about clean and unclean animals? What made an animal clean? It had a divided hoof. And it chewed the cud. And we talked about the fact that it was a picture of a divided walk that was separated unto the Lord to serve Him only. And chewing the cud, the word there is meditate. As we meditate on God's Word and we live a divided life, God's going to do great things. God will do mighty and wonderful things in and through us and we'll be able to overcome temptation. Last two verses. Verse 26. And you shall be holy to Me, for I, the Lord, am holy. And have separated you from the peoples, that you should be mine. The Lord's desire that as His children that we be holy. He's blessed us, chosen us, adopted us, accepted us, redeemed us, forgiven us. He's given us an inheritance. He died in our place. He rose from the dead. He's preparing a place for you. He's coming back. He loves you. Who should you follow? Satan wants to destroy you. Satan hates you. Satan wants you dead. Satan wants to tempt you and draw you away from the Lord. The Lord loves you so much, He hung on a cross. Who should we follow? Who should we obey? Who should we honor? Who should we trust? The Lord or the prince of the power of the air that rules this world? Who are we going to serve? You've got to serve somebody, right? It might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. We need to be serving Him. Last verse. A man or a woman who is a medium or has familiar spirits shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. Anybody who will give Satan, their lives over to Satan, the consequence will be death. The wages of sin is death. The wages of us going contrary to God's will is heavy-duty physical consequences now, but even greater eternal consequences in the future. But praise God, and I want to make this real clear and keep this balanced. Our God is a God of grace, and He's the one that enables us. Remember, He says, Let me, I will sanctify you. It's only when we're empowered by the Spirit of the living God that we can walk in holiness. We can't just try and do it ourselves because then it becomes a yoke and a burden and it becomes impossible. But if we just trust God 
and we ask him to fill us with his Holy Spirit, and we walk in obedience to him, he'll do great things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word, and Lord, though it was uh, very heavy, just the consequences of sin, Lord, may we heed it as a warning from our loving Heavenly Father. Lord, that you love us so much that you would warn us and keep us from things that would bring harm to us. Father, help us to cry out to you, that, to be empowered by your Spirit, to be submerged, baptized in your Spirit, that we might walk in the fullness of you and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Father, we thank you and we praise you, Lord. We pray for Santa Cruz. Bring revival here and may it start with us. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, let's stand and close the worship song.